0: You're listening to New Life Washington Podcast. We pray this sermon encourages you and builds up your faith. It's our goal to help you live so that no one misses the grace of God. Enjoy the sermon. So we are in a series right now, it's called Redefined, Becoming People Who Live the Way of Jesus. And what we've been talking about over these last several weeks is that we want to be people who live the way of Jesus, not just talk about the way of Jesus, not just know about the way of Jesus, but that God would do a work so deeply in our hearts that we begin to live it out. There's things that we can talk about, there's things that we can know about, but when it becomes something we begin to live out, it becomes so much different. So in this series, we've been going through the greatest sermon that's ever been preached, the Sermon on the Mount. And, uh, and I want you to imagine the setting there, that Jesus is sitting there teaching his disciples and a bunch of other people show up. There's thousands of people there listening to him preach the Sermon on the Mount. And what an amazing sermon that was, because as he began to teach, he began to redefine people's views about God and relating to God. Everybody had a certain mindset of what that was, but Jesus began to redefine what that looked like what it looked like. And the mindset of that day was this, is follow the law perfectly and you can get with God. How many of you have ever believed that mindset before? Am I the only one? Right, this mindset that says, hey, I've got to be perfect if I'm ever going to communicate with God. I've got to be perfect if I'm ever going to have a relationship with God. I know for me, many, many years were spent trying to be good enough to have a conversation with God, trying to be good enough to feel like I had the ability to relate to God. And that's exactly what they believed in that day at that time. The religious people had this mindset that spread to others that said, follow the law perfectly And I want to highlight that perfectly part, right? That you had to do it perfectly if you ever wanted to get with God. And the average person believed that they were not able to have a relationship with God, that that was only for the religious people, the religious elite who have been trained up. And you know who liked that mindset? The religious people. They liked it because they could puff their chest out and they could say, we're the people that get to talk to God. Not you little sinners out there. We're the people that get to talk to God. But Jesus began to redefine that so that everybody in the crowd that day could relate to God. People who had issues, people who had sins in their life, people who were far from God were able to find a place where they could relate, where they could have conversations, where they could come to the feet of Jesus and learn from him. And it was an amazing mindset shift that began to take place. And Jesus does exactly that. He shifts minds. He redefines things. But in the midst of this conversation, who's going to get mad? Of course, the religious people that want God all to themselves, that don't want anybody else to be able to have a relationship with God like they think they have a relationship with God. So what begins to happen is they begin to whisper to themselves, Jesus is a heretic. They begin to whisper to themselves, Jesus doesn't believe in the Old Testament. Don't listen to him they begin to snicker at some of his teachings and laugh and act like what he's teaching is bogus. And as they begin to do that, Jesus gets in on Matthew 5, 17, which we talked about last week. And I think it's important for us to just go back there and set this up again, because in verse 17, what he says is he says, do not think that I've come to abolish the law. So he's speaking directly to the Pharisees at this point, and he's saying, hey, All those things that you're snickering about right now, all those things that you're saying about me not believing in the Old Testament, let me tell you, that is wrong. The Old Testament is God-breathed. I believe in it 100%. And what I'm doing here is not trying to abolish the law, not trying to abolish the Old Testament, not trying to get rid of it. I'm not up here trying to rip the scrolls of the Old Testament. But what I am here to do is I've come not to abolish those laws, but to fulfill them. And we talked a little bit last week about what does that mean? What does it mean that Jesus was here to fulfill those laws? And we talked about three things. One, he was here to say, I've come and I've fulfilled all the prophecies. Two, I've come and I've lived perfectly on your behalf. You can't live perfectly, but Jesus can. So what he did was he lived perfectly on your behalf, died on the cross on your behalf, so that when you trust in him, you become righteous. He makes you righteous by his blood, not because of anything that you've done, not because of anything that you've accomplished, not because you're good enough to relate to God, but because Jesus has washed your sins away. So he made us righteous and he fulfilled the law in that way. But lastly, I talked about another way. And that last way was that Jesus redefined the law by telling us exactly what it meant. And I'll get into that here in a little bit. But in this, what began to emerge is a new mindset. And the new mindset that Jesus began to talk about was this. Get with God regularly and he will help you follow the law. He'll help you follow the law as he intended. And I want to, I highlighted that part as he intended because I want you to see here that Jesus is going to begin to teach the next part of this. And what he's doing is he's redefining what the Old Testament teaches and he's communicating about it as it is intended. So, so let me stop and explain that to you. And the example that I used last week is how many of you have ever received a text message or an email from somebody and you got the tone absolutely wrong in that email. Happened to all of us before, right? Right. And so here you are, ready to text back the longest message, the meanest, ugliest, most spiteful message back. And then you think about it, you delete it, and you just call the person and you say, hey, what was up with that text? And they say, what are you talking about? This is how I meant it. Like, oh, good. I thought you meant it this way. And their intent was totally different than what you imagined in your head. Well, what's happening here is for many, many years, the religious people had taken God's word and had produced a kind of tone with it, had looked at it in a certain way that helped them and not others. And so Jesus is coming on the scene and he's coming to redefine God's teachings. He's coming to explain to them, this is what I meant. This is what I wanted you to get from that. This is what I want you to do. And so today, as we dive in, that's exactly what Jesus begins to do. And it's important to to see this, and it's important to realize this, because Jesus comes and redefines the Old Testament in some key areas, because two things were happening. One, the Pharisees were masters of following the law, but not getting it in their hearts. They were masters of finding the loopholes. And let me explain to you kind of what a loophole would be that they would do, okay? And, uh, and let me just go to your childhood. How many of you have ever had the moment growing up where your mom or dad said, hey, I don't want you to have a soda after this certain time? Maybe your uh, caffeine was something that was big for you. You couldn't go to sleep. So they said, I don't want you to have soda after three o'clock, whatever it was. And so four o'clock comes around, you're thirsty. You go to the fridge and there you have some sodas. But you remember my mom and dad said not to drink a soda after 3 p.m. And I want to follow the rules, okay? But as you look around, you see that there's an energy drink in there. And you think, they didn't say anything about energy drinks. They said sodas. So what do you do, right? You reach in and you say, I'm grabbing that energy drink. And I'm drinking it. And it defeats the whole purpose, right? They didn't want you to have caffeine. They didn't want you to get all hyped up. And now you're all hyped up up till 5 a.m. because you found a loophole in the rules. And the Pharisees were masters of this. They were masters of following the law to a T without actually getting the heart behind it. They knew every loophole. They knew every way around it. They knew every way so they could say, you know what, uh, pff, I, I, I've never killed anybody, but I hate everybody, Right? And that was their mindset, right? Their mindset was not one of love. Their mindset was one of, let me follow the rules, and even if my heart's never affected, that's okay. Well, Jesus is getting his followers to the place where they care about more than just following the rules. He wants them to care about the root of the issue. He wants them to care about the root of their heart, and he wants these things to come out of their heart naturally, Pharisees are worried about the action. Jesus is worried about the root and changing our hearts. It would be like a doctor that's only concerned about the symptom and doesn't ever try to figure out why the symptoms are there. Jesus wants to get to the root of the symptoms. So with all that, let's get into Matthew chapter 5, verse 21 today. Matthew chapter 5, verse 21. Let's begin there as we dive in to God's Word. Because what God says here what Jesus says as he begins to teach, is he uses this phrase, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago. And that phrase is him redefining what everybody believed. And that's important to say because Jesus is saying, hey, this is what you've believed for so long, but let me change it on you. Let me flip this on its head. Let me change it for you, the way you see this. And man, how revolutionary was this? For one, who is this guy that can come on the scene and speak with such authority that he can change the way people think about scripture? He was saying here as he's teaching, I'm the Messiah. I'm the one who's come to change things. I'm the one who's come to save people from their sins. I'm the one who's come. So man, this is a huge statement for him to say, you have heard that it was said. He says, you shall not murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. So that's the law. So Jesus takes the law, and then now he begins to explain it on a deeper level. And this is what he says. He says, all you're trying to do is follow the law, do not murder. But I tell you that anyone who's angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, kind of calling somebody dumb or stupid, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. So Jesus here, he's raising the standard. He's saying, you're just over here trying not to hate somebody. I mean, you're over here trying not to kill somebody, trying not to murder somebody, but I don't want you to even hate people. I don't want you to even hate people. I want to that to get so deeply in your heart that you have a hard time hating people. And so this was important because the Pharisees, as I said before, they were good about not murdering people. That was part of the law. But what they were bad at was they were bad at not hating people. And so Jesus is recognizing this. And not only that, but he's recognizing the root of murder. What is the root of murder? Well, you're not going to murder somebody unless you probably hate them. And so what he's doing is he's saying if we can eliminate hate from our lives, we can also eliminate murder. But if you continue to hate people, what's going to lead is murder. Murder. And so what he's doing is essentially this. Let me give this example. There's a man who, uh, sorry, there's a woman who had this car, and uh, she was a bit older. She didn't want to drive it around anymore. She was having some trouble getting around. And she loved her car so much, she didn't want anything to happen to it. So she said, you know what, I'm going to hire a driver. So as she hires some drivers, she, she looks around. She tries to find the very best one. She's interviewing people. And a bunch of people come in. And as she's interviewing them, one by one, she looks at them and says, hey, I want you to see where we're going to park this car every day. You see this wall right here? I, I want to I ask you. Um, how close do you think you could get to this wall uh, without, without scratching it, without hitting my car, without damaging my car in any way? And one by one, these drivers, man, they are show-offs, right? They want to show how amazing they are at driving. So they said, man, I can get it within a foot. I can get it so close to this thing. Nothing will ever happen to it. Man, I will not hurt your car. I can get it close enough the next one's trying to show off so he's like ma'am i could get it even closer i get it within six inches of that wall i get it so close you have no idea and one by one each of them talked about how close they could get it to the wall well finally a guy comes in and she's asked the same question how close do you think you can get it to this wall i love my car i don't want anything to happen to it so what do we do here and and the guy says you know what ma'am you love your car so much I'm not going to get anywhere close to that wall. I'm going to park it so far away from that wall as I can that, man, that car is going to be perfectly, there's no chance it's going to hit the wall because I'm going to park so far away from it. And what Jesus is doing here by redefining the law is he's saying, hey, it's not our goal to get as close as possible to that as we can. It's our goal to get far away from it as possible. And you're not going to murder someone if you love everybody. And that's what Jesus is trying to do in our hearts. But once again, this too can be something that we manufacture it could be something that we just talk about or we just say you know what i'm just not going to hate people but jesus wants to do a work in your heart and the way he does a work in your heart is by you getting with him by you spending time with him by you connecting with him regularly he helps you to get a love for people in such a way that you stop hating people in that way but he continues this teaching by talking about hating others, by saying this, therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. It was a big thing in that day, right, to bring your offering, to bring your gift to the altar, to make yourself right with God. So it was a big deal, a big part of your day whenever you did that. And so I want you to imagine a very important place that you might go to. What is that important place that you're saying, man, once I'm there in line, I am not getting out of line. There's nothing. There could be no emergency in the world that is going to get me out of this line. I'm going to stick here. But what happens, right? There's a true emergency. Maybe you forget one of your kids at school. And suddenly you're saying, oh, I got to get out of line. That's really important. That's an emergency. I got to go pick my kid up. Emergency, right? Another emergency. You leave the stove on. You realize it. Boom. I left the stove on. I'm in line here. I'm at the altar. But man, that's really important. I don't want my house to burn down. I'm going to go shut that off. Emergency. Those are the only things, right? Emergencies would cause you to leave the line. Well, Jesus is saying here that if you have hate towards someone, and if you have a bad relationship with someone, there's friction between you and someone, that he thinks it's an emergency. He'd rather you get out of line and go make things right with that person than for you to just stick there and continue to give your gift at the altar. He's saying, I want you to leave the worship service, and I want you to go make it right. Right. I don't want you to have hate in your heart towards people. I want you to make it right with them. It's so, so important. So he's saying disconnection with people. He's saying hatred towards people, unforgiveness towards people. These are emergencies. These are emergencies that I want you to deal with right away. But he continues the conversation. And as we get into this passage deeper, we're not gonna be able to hit on every single one of them but I want us to see a theme here, right? That he's talking about how we deal with people, that our love for people really matters to Jesus. The way we treat people really matters to Jesus. Because as he continues in verse 25, he says, Settle matters quickly with your adversary who has taken you to court. Do it while you are still together on the way, or your adversary may hand you over to the judge. And the judge may hand you over to the officer and you may be thrown into prison. Truly I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny." And I think what he's saying here is, hey, before you even let it get to court, try to settle it with the person before then. Try to sell it with them before then. By the time it gets to court, man, you have had so much time and space in between there that you should have tried to handle the problem with the person. And once again, he's talking here about the importance of relationships, how we should love and treat others. As we continue, he says, you have heard that it was said, eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And so what does this mean? Well, in the Old Testament, there was people that believed that if you were fighting somebody and you took their eye, that, that you deserved to take their eye in response. as a revenge. That if you took their tooth, that they had the ability to come and take your tooth as revenge. And so so Jesus is is bringing back this teaching. You've heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. So wow, think about these mind-blowing concepts that Jesus is teaching about. He's telling us here that if somebody comes up and slaps you, that you were to turn the cheek and give him the other cheek to slap. He's saying here that if somebody comes and sues you for your shirt, give them your coat as well. What he's saying here is that Christians should look differently when it comes to relationships, when it comes to our relationship with people, when it comes to the things that we see in this world and people hating each other, that that should not be seen in us at all that that should not be something that they see, that people should see a difference in us, that we should respond in love when people hurt us, that we should respond in kindness when people have, un- have unforgiveness towards us, that we should try to make things work with people, that there should be a difference in us that people should be able to see. But friends, once again, all of these things cannot be accomplished by us trying hard, Let me try hard to turn the other cheek. Let me try hard to forgive people. Let me try hard to love people. No, those things are not things that can just be tried hard. You cannot just try hard to make those things happen. Those things have to happen through Jesus doing something significant and special in your heart as you relate to him, as you connect with him. It's the only way that those things can take place. He continues here, and this is a very interesting one. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Say, Jesse, what in the world does that mean? We're gonna start a jogging contest here, right? One mile, two mile? No, what this means in that day is that the Roman soldiers could come up to you at any time. So think about that, you're at Walmart, you have a checklist of things that you need to do. In that day, there's not vehicles like they have today, but a Roman soldier comes up to you, taps you on the shoulder, and says, hey, I'm pretty tired from my journey. I'm going to need you to carry this bag for me, my very heavy bag of weapons and and materials. I'm going to need you to carry this for me for a mile. And under Roman law, they had to do it. They had to carry their stuff for a mile. And so think about how inconvenient that would be. You've got things to do. You're going from point A to point B. It's your day off and you're trying to make things happen, and suddenly a Roman soldier says, hey, I need you to go with me on this journey for a mile and carry this heavy, heavy bag. Well, what Jesus is saying to do here is he's saying at the end of that mile, look at that Roman soldier and say, hey, I'm going with you another mile. You, want, you wanted me to carry this bag for a mile? Everybody else you've asked today to do it complains. Everybody else that you've asked to do it, right, has a bad attitude about this, but not me. I'm a follower of Jesus. And you asked me to carry it one mile. Well, guess what? I'm going to go the extra mile with you. I'm going to carry it two miles. How do we do that in our day, right? Are you going the extra mile with people? Are you you having a bad attitude when people ask for your help? Or are you willing to go the extra mile for others? And Jesus is asking us here to go the extra mile for people. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. So he's telling us to be givers, to give to others, to be generous. And beyond that, he continues here and he says, you've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. So I want you to see a little bit of the progression here because the progression as he starts is don't hate your brother. But as he continues down, down the road, now he's saying, I want you not just to not hate your brother, but I want you to love your enemies And I want you to pray for those who persecute you. Think about that. The people who spit on you, the people who kick you when you're down, the people who laugh at you, who talk bad about you, I want you to love them. How countercultural is this? How amazing is this? To love your enemy, to love your neighbor and hate your enemy is what they used to teach, but Jesus is saying, I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. He says this, if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And right here in this text, there's a real significant nudge that Jesus is giving people. And he's saying, guys, everybody in the world loves people who love them even the tax collectors, the most sinful people in the world, is what Jesus is saying. Love those who love them. What's special about that? And he's saying, I want to raise the standard here for us Christians, and I want us to love people who don't love us. I want to raise the standard here for Christians, and I want us to love people who actually hate us, who actually speak so badly of us. I want us to love them and to pray for them because you know what? when people look around at the world and they see someone loving someone who hates them and praying for the person who hates them, they're going to know that you're my kid. They're going to know that you're my child. They're going to know that you are mine. They're going to know that you've been marked by me. That's the only way you'll be able to do that. That's the only way. And this world will know that my followers are different. They will know that my followers are people who love. So Jesus here is redefining, once again, from just following the rules, do not murder, going down the list, and he's saying, I want more than that. I want you to love me, and I want you to love others. I want you to love me, and I want you to love others well. And he ends with this. He says, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. I say, Jesse, didn't we just talk about not having to be perfect because Jesus was perfect? Well, what Jesus is asking here is he's asking us to pursue perfection by pursuing him. And the way that we do that, it's not pursuing the rules and being perfect. It's pursuing him and trying to be more like him. It's us saying, you know what? Throughout my life, as I press into the Lord, Lord, help me to be more like you today. So each day you take one step and you become more like Jesus. You take another step and you become more like Jesus. And suddenly down the road, 20 years down the road, you looked way more like Jesus than you did 20 years ago because you pressed into him every day. It doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. It doesn't mean you're going to be sinless. It doesn't mean any of these things. But what it means is that you're pursuing being more like Jesus. And when we do that, God helps us to love him and to love others. And it transforms our lives and it transforms the lives of those around us. That's what Jesus is calling us to do, to love God and to love others, to stop hating our brothers and to start loving our enemies. And only he can do that in our hearts. Thanks for listening. For more information about New Life Washington, check out our website at newlifeonline.org. God bless.